if you have to form a piece of brass into the chamber in your rifle, in other words, it doesn't come that way from the head stamp manufacturer of the brass, then it's a wildcat. Otherwise, they would make brass for it. Like, for example, 280 Ackley was, was a wildcat. Technically is a wildcat, but it was a wildcat for a long time before people made head stamp brass. That said 280 Ackley improved. It wasn't a, it, they improved the shoulder yeah. on the 280, whatever it was. Was uh, you mm. remember what it is? 280 Winchester, Remington. It, uh, it can be whatever fucking, 280, 270, 30.6. Yeah. Yeah. And it, like the 6.5, 284 was a wildcat for a long time. Yeah. <clears throat> they finally so, I mean, if you, if you could buy, so 33XC, 37XC, these are, you can buy brass ready to go, which is one of the reasons I built the 33XC in the first place was because rather than fire form Lapua brass and the 338 Lapua improved, not only was the case longer, had more case capacity, but it came ready to go. Welcome to the Shoot Hunt Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Ryan Avery. Ryan Avery. And my color commentator today is Jake Mushaney. <laughs> Are you ready? I've been ready since 9 a.m., sir. How fat is your ass today? I knew that was coming, and, I, and I, I'm embarrassed. You know, because you, you never want to say it can never happen. I mean, you know, the chances of getting violently murdered by a bunny are low. <laughs> But, but never zero. <laughs> We're bringing up some straight bullshit. <laughs> Dude, if it ain't hunting clothes, my wife buys it for me. But your, your wife bought that color for you? I just said, Dude. give me some Crocs. She's just way too comfortable with your gayness then. Oh, I got a really long tongue. <laughs> <laughs> she oh. We fucking... Oh, Lord. That, that was literally brought up... That podcast intro is brought up on Rockslide twice now. Really? Yeah. What about what they say? Well, there's multiple, like, and this guy reported, I put this picture up about my Crocs. I have a picture and oh, I said, shit. I am a fashion icon. I had this picture and he reports me as clear picture of a man who kidnapped a woman. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, yeah. You have that kind of look, I guess. Yeah. And it's like, the guy's like, you know, real men shop for themselves. And mm. I was like, if I wanted to shop for myself, I'd fucking be single. I'd grow out my skullet put it in a fucking man bun and move to San Francisco. <laughs> <laughs> I think you get to play like you're making fun of me because I wear the same pants every fucking day. Right. And generally it's the same shirt too, just a different logo from the business, but I wear the same three X fucking same brand shirt, whatever's on the front of it. And, and I was wearing them five eleven pants, but I just get used to it. And you know who does that? Hmm. Serial killers. Really? Yeah. You know, in a house does that Dykstra. Same it, fucking clothes every time you see the man. Yeah. Then then it puts the fucking thought process in your mind. Does that motherfucker wash his clothes? Uh-huh. I do wash my clothes. I just have a lot of pairs of the same shit. So, so let's let's back up for your pants thing. Uh-huh. Jake had me, I ordered him 10 <laughs> fucking pairs. They weren't all for me. Okay, but this well, is technically I have 10 just, now. Just think about this from the order side. 10 uh-huh. fucking pairs of first light pants. <laughs> There's so fucking many. First Light called and told me, you know you ordered 10 fucking pairs of First Light pants. Uh-huh. And I was like, yep. Yep, yep. <laughs> that, that was correct order. I just like, I just eat, you know what? It, I've heard it said before, like, uh, not that I'm a fucking Mark Zuckerberg or something, but they'll show like the Mark Zuckerberg and the, those type of guys, The uh, who's the Amazon guy, Jeff Bezos. Bezos, yeah. He's Elon a little flashier, Musk. but yeah. you'll start seeing the guys and you'll see them in public and they wear the same fucking junky shit all the time because yeah. it, it comes down to you make so many, so many decisions on a daily basis 
I don't want to decide about what I'm going to wear. There's a stack of pants and there's a fucking <clears throat> stack of shirts. Easy choice. Done. I don't, I don't understand. <laughs> I don't care about fashion. I don't yeah, care. Yeah. Like you can look at me at any point in time and you think that I was either blind or drunk when I fucking got <laughs> dressed. The most fashion I get into is like, oh, it's going to be podcast today. You don't have your podcast shirt. But I, I, I go to look, I'll actually look through the shirt, right? And you try did? to find the podcast shirt because it's going to be a podcast day. Well, I, I guess I don't always think about the cameras, yeah. but I always have this. Sh- we have our shoot to hunt hats on. Yeah, that's right. Mine's a, mine's a little crustier. It's because you literally put in the fucking dishwasher. Oh, no, that, it looks clean when I put it that in the dishwasher. That's the funniest thing I ever was, seen. I was laughing because like um, like Brady Miller, he has this thing where he's doing his workout and he puts his hat post yeah, up. Yeah, I've seen that. And I was like, bitch, I don't even have to put a fucking workout on to have my hat look like this. I sweat this much standing. <laughs> I think that motherfucker's like six foot ten. And he was saying he weighs like 170 pounds or something. Ooh. Yeah, he's yeah. gotta be six five, six, six. He's huge. Yeah, 170 pounds. He's built like Cody. Yeah. Aubrey's boyfriend. Yeah. Yep. Hang uh-huh. hang glad on a Dorito. <laughs> That's like old man fucking shit there. <laughs> <laughs> So this morning I walk into, uh, we got back from the gym and I walk in the fucking bathroom there and I tell my wife, I was like, fucking smells like a strawberry fart in here, right? And I'm laughing and she's like dead face and she starts trying to explain to me where the fart and the strawberry came from and how they got together. Like she's like, she's like, well, I was taking a shit, then I got done with that, and then, and then I sprayed my perfume, and it's a strawberry perfume. I'm like, you could have just laughed at the strawberry fart. You didn't have to fucking explain it to me. Trying to make sense of a joke. Good Lord. It's a classic woman thing. I told her you're old as fuck. Yep. I feel like I, like my thought process is like, am I a fud? Am I yelling at a cloud? <laughs> Hopefully we get there someday. I, I'm looking forward to the point in life where you really don't care you know what you say to people mm-hmm. and their opinion of you and walk around in your underwear and that kind of thing. I'm looking forward to the old man kind of say what you want to say whenever you want to say it. Yes. I think I told you this. I had a went to garage sale. <clears throat> old man going to buy something. And I offered him a price and he said, I'd rather throw it in the fucking trash than sell it for that price. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <clears throat> Blaine walked over yesterday speaking to old people. Blaine walks up and he's like, <laughs> he's like, my fucking, my little Dremel I had for the last 30 years finally quit on me. He was like, he said, it just wound down. I was like, I said, well, you probably got your fucking money's worth, Blaine. He's like, yeah, I just, I figured I'd just throw it in the trash rather than try to fix it. Yes, classic. At what point, how old do you have to be to where you can say whatever you want and people don't hold it against you? They just say, oh, you're old. Well, how old do you think you got to be? Uh, I don't think it's how old you. I don't think it's how old that your actual age. I think it's how you look. How you look? Yeah. Like if you're all disheveled and fucking like I would be, like <laughs> fucking walking around, you know your shits look. You look like a homeless person. Uh-huh. You could probably get away with a lot more than a dude that's in his mid sixty fives that's put together. Well, yeah. 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 So just think about like I'm I'm bald. So like if my hair was all scullated out and it's all fucking. It's all fucking greased out with a greasy beard. You probably get away with a lot more because people don't know if you're sane or not. Uh-huh. Huh. Well, we ought to talk about some business at some point. Yes, we're talking about Wildcats. But before we and prefits, before we get there, we need help with our YouTube. Please. Please subscribe. We got to get to a thousand to do anything cool with it. We're at six hundred. We're we're at five ninety, sir. Fucking same difference. We're gonna we're gonna try to stimulate the process a little bit the here. Economy. So the economy. 
<laughs> little stimulus has been done enough. We don't need any more we're, stimulus. We're overstimulus from we're the government. We're paying for the stimulus at this point. Yes. Um, we got some really good fucking news yesterday. Some news I've been waiting to hear because, well, it's probably most important to me, right? But no, I, it's a collective because it, we're in for a penny, we're in for a pound. Yeah, we all kind of went through the process together with the, the failures and the, the good parts. So the, the, the UM Premier Rings that are replacing the failed hinged rings just passed the drop test yesterday. And it was some pretty good fucking news. And, and of course, Form had to call me and kind of, kind of giggle around the fucking point a little bit, trying to make me think they didn't pass and then tell me that they passed. And Look. we have, we have this fucking drop test now on video. So what it comes down to is imagine for a minute, you know, you, you knock your rifle off the side of your truck when you're just about to start your hunt, things like that. Well, we take the rifle and we're dropping on the scope from 36 inches, 10 times on each turret cap. And we did this on video. And for that test, we were specifically testing the premier rings and we had the slightest amount of shift when we dropped it on the, it was the parallax side, right? Almost always. So when you drop it on the parallax side, it shifted it, I want to say it was a tenth of a mil left. At the 18, we dropped it. Oh, I'm, I don't remember. I'm confusing it with the, the Zico. So go ahead. Okay. So basically dropped on the parallax side, we had a slight shift. I mean, less than an inch to the left. And then when we dropped it on the other side, it brought it back. Yes. So we had some lateral side movement. So we figured out that we needed to increase the clamp force. Uh, we did it a couple of different ways. Um, we have a higher tensile strength screw, same screw, but now the three-eighths threads went to a half-inch thread. So now we can clamp these at 65 inch-pounds at the clamp. And we also widened the recoil lug by eight thou to take up some of that slack. So some of these, you know, meeting a Picatinny standard for recoil lug thickness, basically instead of having all that slot back and forth, we took some of that up. And again, that recoil lug is titanium and the clamp will also be titanium. <clears throat> We're actually working through that right now. I'm going to have to buy, I want to buy a fucking plywood size sheet of titanium and How then thick? have it. How thick? It's the thickness of that clamp there. This thick, the like main thickness there. Like, yeah, let's call it three eighths thick. We're going to have to buy a four eight sheet and then have it water jetted into strips so that it can be machined. Wow. So this is not going to be some powdered titanium or other bullshit. It's going to be straight grade five machine titanium, uh, the same as the lug. And it's cool on the process. So can you kind of back up to what failed <clears throat> at first and what you fixed? I mean, you kind of went through it, but we dropped it. Yeah. Became... So just, to, I mean, to go all the way back to the injuries, just to tell the story from, a, let's call it a first person perspective. Right. Uh, we approached a premium ring design without having any restrictions, basically. We took kind of an, uh, an open-eye look at it, an outside-of-the-box look at what did we want in a ring specifically for a hunting rifle. So one of those things was uh, minimizing hardware, minimizing protrusions from the outside of the ring, and having a level that was built into the base where you didn't have to fuck around with the cap and try to get everything leveled up right. Yes. Um, and then I didn't want to see any rust anywhere. They needed to be very lightweight, they need to look good. And I believe the market was kind of ready for a new ring. There's kind of some standard rings out there that we use over and over and over again. So we come up with this hinge ring design. And every time you, if, if you just, and any guy that's listening right now, let's say you think something up and you want to physically have a prototype in your hand. The first step to this is you have to have a, a design designer, an engineer, 
you got to be careful with that because real engineers hate to be called designers, but my designer is also an engineer. Mm-hmm. And you have to convey your thoughts to him. He has to create a model of it in CAD and to spec. So like these Picatinny spec standards have to be integrated in. So some things you can't just make out of, you can't make it however you want, right? They got to clamp to a pick rail. And, and then you look at it and then you make changes here and there as you're looking at it in the model. Well, at some point you have to actually make a prototype and test it. Well, to make a prototype on a CNC machine, you have to fixture it. You have to fixture it, not for full production, but in a way that it's going to be machined accurately. So long story short, a, a prototype for a scope ring, for a complete scope ring that's rather complex, it can be you know somewhere between three dollars and $5,000 prototyping cost for one iteration. If you make a change after that that requires it to be retooled, that is a new prototype. We went through seven prototypes and I just kept pushing it and pushing it and pushing it, trying to make this hinge ring work. I really wanted it to work. Obviously put a lot of money into it. We put a lot of time and testing and we did test it. We didn't just let it go out the door without testing. You and I dropped my personal 33 XC mm-hmm. with these rings on there. Mm-hmm. It didn't lose zero. And I gave the go ahead for production yep. and we produced 300 sets of rings and as soon as they started going out the door, I started hearing issues immediately. And long story short, I decided to pull it all. We didn't send any more rings out. We emailed every single person that had pre-ordered them. Uh, basically told them we're going to be coming out with a, a, a different design, uh, one that we can have some faith in and so on. And it was, so here's the premier ring. And that <clears throat> right there is you knew, you bit the bullet, mm-hmm. you knew you were going to lose money. Cost me a lot of fucking money. And a lot of people would have, I've seen it happen over and over again. They keep fighting the fight of making that, trying to make a hack to make that work. And that changed your whole philosophy on testing, did it not? It did. Yes. It did. It was actually all, I learned a lot about, you know, when when we're prototyping and and making new parts like this, I learned a lot about prints, about tolerancing, um, and also about proper testing before letting things leave. And by proper, it's not that we didn't test it. It just, the test that we're going through with form for drop testing, you know, it is the most extreme test I think a part could go through. Your, your rifle's never going to go through that extreme of a test in reality, but it's testing it to its limits. And and if I were to tell you and show I, I, you. I think it to its usable limits. That's right to the edge of where you going past that, you're just actually going to start breaking shit. Mm-hmm. I think so. That's what he has down is me and you can drop something. He has it down to a, you know, a cookie cutter process to where this is the result that I usually see. And it's, it's not taking it to where you're actually breaking scope, you're breaking scope rings, you're breaking scopes, you're fucking up action screws. It's right to the limit. And he's actually done it so much that when he drops it the first time and takes the next shot, if there's any issue, he can almost tell you exactly what it's going to be in the end. He could tell you as he's tightening, he told me when he was tightening up these <laughs> new clamps on this ring for the second go, he's all, I could tell when I was doing it that it locked up and it was fucking solid. So you get enough experience with different rings, dropping different scopes and so on. But I think that it's not just the test he's going through. It's also the experience behind it and the amount of data. Absolutely. And I'm good. This goes back to why aren't the manufacturers doing this? Mm. And if they are doing it, you know, the reason we know they're not doing it outside of a very few, mm-hmm. they're not telling us they're doing it. Yeah. Because why would you not tell the population we, or the public if you were doing it? 
we will have this shit on video. Yeah. You'll see it. I I, I don't say I don't want to say I ruined a new NX8, but it has some <laughs> it he, has some he, character it's now. It's not pretty anymore. The NX8's <laughs> fine. It's functionally. Yeah, it fucking passed the test. Great. Yep. And it's just it's not as pretty as it once was. So so this ring now that we designed, it's lightweight. It's an inch wide. Um it has a titanium recoil lug, titanium clamp, and it's been through the actual drop test. It's been approved. And if I show you and told you what that ring went through, you're going to want it on your rifle. I mean, because why not? You know, there are a lot of great rings out there. We're not trying to I'll never bash any ring in any way, shape, or form. What I will tell you is what this ring went through to get to where it's at. And I basically just laid it all out for you. So once we do the marketing here, again, it's called the Premier Ring. It's already, it's already available and up on the site so you can see pictures and whatnot. Uh, these are going to be 30 mil, 0.885 lows. We're looking at eight weeks from now. So we're figuring out that sheet of titanium that we have to have water jetted or sawed. Um, and they already ordered all. So these are 7075 aluminum also. Almost every ring out there is not 7075 aluminum. If you don't pay over a hundred bucks for a set of rings, I can guarantee you it's not 7075. But most rings are not. So 7075 the whole way through. And uh why is it steel the titanium over the steel clamp just weight thing, or what what's the reasoning for that? Um it is a good amount of weight. It's about between the two clamps. If we do them out of out of titanium instead of steel, it's about a half ounce. We're already with titanium in the recoil lug, and titanium is just cool. We're already doing you know titanium muzzle brakes and so on. Uh, there's not really any other material that is going to have the strength of steel, but still able to lose some weight. So it's definitely more expensive. Okay, definitely more expensive. Um, but the rings are fucking awesome. They are, and they look yeah. good, and they're different. Yeah. They don't look the same as they don't look quite the same as anybody else's. Yes. So, so we got the Tika rings out there. We got the Premier rings now, and like I said, we are going to pick a we are going to pick a YouTube subscriber of Shoot to Hunt every single podcast, and you can have your choice of ring sets: UM Tika or UM Premier. Did we pick one this time? We're gonna. We're going to have to log into that. So, so you go into YouTube studio and you can end up seeing your whole list of followers. But we're trying to grow that follower. So the only way you're going to win these rings for free is to just be a follower. And like I said, we're going to pick one every podcast. Luke, look one of those up. Yeah. Yeah, get in there in the studio. <laughs> um, and I want to hit on, while we're talking about rings, I want to kind of you to go through what was happening like with um, Crosley's ring so people don't keep doing that. <clears throat> so I, we just finished a 20-minute install video, and I did get that little tidbit added in there. But basically for the, the Tika dovetail that's integrated into the action, all the way at the front, it starts to flare out. You have to make sure that the ring is clamping to parallel surfaces of that dovetail. If you get up into that little part where it widens out, you will deform your ring, deform the clamp. It actually held pretty good for him for a while still. But uh, again, we have a new install video that Luke will be finishing up today. Today, if you're hearing this later, today is the 21st of September. It is going to be in the top of the product description of the rings. The Tika rings now come with threaded pins, so you have a multitude of installation positions. We go over that in the video. Uh, they also come with blue thread locker. All of our UM rings, no matter if they're Tika Premier or the new core rings that will be next, they're all going to come with a little ampule of thread locker for you. Every inch, every inch of that top is usable now. It is. That rail. And I added a picture of that in the, pro in, when you go to the product now, there's a picture of that action with all those fucking pins in there. Um, but they're doing great. We haven't had 
any issues with Tika rings other than misinstallations, which I covered pretty much all the issues uh, on the video. It's a very good video. I don't want to pat myself on the back, but no, you did a good I, job. I, I can make a pretty good video. I'm so glad you. <laughs> I've talked you into Tika. <laughs> <laughs> the and then over tight and I because I got another one of these dudes the other day. Don't fucking over torque the level. The level is 15 inch pounds with blue Loctite. That's it. It's very easy. Uh, if you do have some issues there because you torqued it to 65. The fucking thing doesn't <laughs> weigh anything. You don't need 65 inch pounds. Yeah. We had yeah. some guys kind of going overboard with that. It's just, it's just aluminum, you know, <laughs> trying to keep it light. That's like the nut. Titanium. If you think about it, that's like the nut on the freaking pick rail that locks the scope onto the pick rail 65. Yes. That little tiny nut, yeah. that little tiny screw does not need 65 inch pounds. Yes. That's funny. Pretty <laughs> extreme. Yeah, so that's pretty much the the premier ring story. Like I said, we're really excited they uh, they passed the full test gamut, so we can go to production without you know with basically zero fears that there's going to be an issue. Going to be sexy. Mm-hmm. All right, let's talk prefits. Prefits. So this is going to stem from, and I will apologize to whoever this. I won't name any names, but there was a guy who got me on DMs on Instagram. And we had posted a couple rifles, and he says, who makes those barrels? And they're awesome, the make of the stock. So I tell him, we have the barrels from Ace, and it's a Manor's long-range hunter stock. He says, do you make prefits for impact precision? I said, negative. He said, bummer. I said, you could just send your action in. And he says, so you can barrel the action then? That's a great idea. I like that. And that's kind of the start for I wanted to explain prefits why prefit started, what is the difference between sending me your action and not sending me your action and so on. So a prefit generally, so when CNC came around, the idea was that you would make a bunch of barrels at the same time and for a for a, a good action that has guaranteed headspace, you could do all the gunsmith machining work without having the action present. And then you put them in stock and then people order them. And in your garage, you have a barrel vise and a action wrench and a torque wrench. So the action wrench will slide into the lugs on the action. Your barrel vice holds, holds the barrel. And then you torque that bad boy to, I want to say it's 120 foot pounds. Don't quote me on that. What those guys do about there. I don't build the rifles, but you would be able to essentially garage mechanic that shit. And they're running a go, no go gauge in there. I imagine most people probably don't because they don't want to buy the go, no go gauge. A lot of guys will just take a piece of brass and if it chambers, they think they're good to go. We've had a number of so-called prefits come in the shop because headspace was wrong. If the headspace is too long, we can't do anything. If the headspace is too short, we can go in there and kiss the chamber and try to make everything okay. But the whole idea behind prefits is that idea that, that you put the barrel on yourself. You save some money because these were done on a CNC and not by a, a human being dialing the barrel in on a lathe. So that's the whole you know, background story to the prefit itself. And not all actions have guaranteed headspace. And even some that say they are, aren't. So for example, Tikas, even even though they're a cheap rifle, cheap action, Tikas tend to be whoa, on the whoa, spot. Whoa, whoa, whoa. They are cheap. I don't, I'm not saying they're not good quality. Right. Because you inex- couldn't have guaranteed headspace without I like without inexpensive. The, inexpensive is a, is a very politically correct <laughs> word. That's right. That it, It's an inexpensive action, but we, and only after we've built you know, 30 Tika rifles now, can we say that they're plus or minus a thou on the headspace? And my guys are confident in making a prefit. So we will say 
We will make a prefit for a Tika. We always have Tika actions here anyway. And yeah, we'll make a prefit for you on your Tika and whatever you want. Can you explain to that? I mean, you literally, if they're doing the prefit route and if they're like me, I am not a gun builder. I'm not, I don't, I try not to work on anything that goes boom. I give it to you guys. You get, I'm, I love shooting. I can uh-huh. tell you when st- shit's fucked up shooting. I'm not a gunsmith. I'm not a gun builder. What's too long or too short when you say on the chamber spec? So there is such a, there's a thing called a go, no go gauge. Mm -hmm. Go that when you slide the go gauge in like a piece of brass and you close the bolt, the bolt should close. When you slide the no go gauge in, the bolt should start to close, but not close. This basically tells you when that, when that explosion goes off inside your little chamber, your brass has a a specification that it's built to the brass expands to reach all the nooks and crannies of the entire chamber. That's called fire forming. And it has a, a min and max limit of headspace. Headspace for every cartridge but a belted mag is from the sh- from the base to the shoulder. So it indexes off the shoulder itself. Um, if you have a bad headspace barrel, you can run all kinds of issues. Like you can't size your brass back down. You overexpanded your brass. You got clickers. You got mm-hmm. all kinds of various issues with a poorly headspaced, out-of-spec headspace rifle. And, and it does happen. So when you get one and you can fix it, what is the charge to the consumer. I'm kind of going somewhere with this, but what's the charge? To yeah, I mean, so we got We have to dial the barrel back in, which means it goes back in the lathe the same way it would be if we built you a new barrel. And the gunsmith has to very carefully go in there with a reamer and only take enough out to still get back to the same headspace. Because the, the tenon threads, the threads that screw into the end of the action, the tenon threads, they're set. There's a depth there and a length of threads that's a mm-hmm. set number. So if you imagine the reamer going into the chamber, Again, you cannot take, you can't put material back, but you can take some material away. Right. Otherwise, we'd have to cut the end of the barrel off and start from scratch. Gotcha. Now, when I say we'll do a prefit for a Tika, that will still be a manually built on a manual lathe, not in a CNC. We're not making 100 barrels. It'll be no different than if we built you the full custom rifle. We'll do it for Tika and we'll do it for Bat. So like when you, <clears throat> I have never owned a prefit in my life because I'm not a gun plumber. Mm-hmm. So the, when you buy a, say a, a carbon six prefit, mm-hmm. like w- what's the cost from the prefit to just buying a gunsmith blank? <clears throat> I don't know what Gene over there is charging for a prefit. I imagine it's, let's say it's, let's say it's 250 bucks or 200 bucks more. He's got them in a, in fact, would you pull that up, Luke, pull up carbon six's website. We can go in there and actually build yeah. a barrel and choose it and yeah. tell us how much it is. He's doing it on a CNC. They're wrapping and doing their whole barrel process in the CNC, and they just, you know, they ream it when it's in there. So it's 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 relatively easy for them. But again, we are we are hand dialing in a barrel to a ten thousandth of an inch of runout before chambering. Mm. And it's a delicate process. I mean not to pat ourselves on the back, but we don't have bad shooting rifles that come out of here. These guys, they take their fucking job seriously. They're machinists at heart. They're perfectionists at heart, and they don't they don't cut corners. And we see that because all the rifles shoot good. Yeah, but like the thirty three XC, yeah. On a CNC, <laughs> I can almost guarantee you they're not getting the same level of attention when they're being dialed in. And dialing in the barrel before you ream it, before you chamber it, is the most important part. There are other, a lot of other things going right. on, but if you don't dial it in right, it's not going to shoot straight. Well, so I see on Rockslide constantly, <clears throat> and it goes back to like McGowan, not Carbon 6, but the McGowan blanks, and there's a few other blanks where guys will buy them and something goes wrong. 
Mm-hmm. So then they're into it for a, a higher price, you know, pre-fit barrel. It's already been chambered. Probably muzzles, you know, the muzzle's been threaded. And then they got to go to a gunsmith and get that shit fixed. Yeah. And I, I wonder, and I'm sure obviously it works because the prefits wouldn't be there if it didn't work. Like preferred, that's all they freaking do is sell prefits. Mm-hmm. But then you're into at least another 250 So we charge 365 for a chamber and 135 for muzzle threads. So the total machining cost on a barrel today is 500 bucks, and right. barrel blanks from Ace are 340 So you're 840 bucks into what you would call a prefit. Now, if you buy a proof prefit in a steel... I don't know what the price is, but you know, you're going to save a hundred or 200 or 300 bucks by buying a prefit most of the time. And again, that goes back to the CNC deal, gotcha. uh, but we are 800 bucks. We are $840 for a manually machined perfect barrel. And you can't, you can't gauge the clients, right? If the prefit was going to Jake's house. Jake's a technically minded dude. I am not a technically minded mechanical dude. You could fucking easily do a prefit and you probably know if it's go me, I'm just gonna bolt that fucker up yeah. and go start shooting and hopefully it works. Yeah. To where you know, you gotta you gotta quantify or qualify the buyer. Yeah. Well, you can't like, do that do, with every do prefit you have a, buyer. Do, do you have a barrel vice? Do you have a go no go gauge? Do you have the proper action wrench for your action? Do you have a torque wrench that's calibrated? You know. Is the action you have, is it fucking in the tolerance? Because there's a lot of actions that are not. Yeah. yeah, I'm not a prefit fan. So go, uh, Luke, go to shop barrels and then build a barrel. Yep. <clears throat> We're going through the Carbon 6 website. Yeah, scroll down a bit. So it says 850 there. Keep going down. Okay, right here, blanker prefit. Let's go prefit. And just pick, go 6.5 and then do a 6.5 PRC. And they've really fancied this thing up from the start. Eight twist. Keep going down. Are you getting a lot more of those questions about prefits just in general? Yes, and that's why we're doing this. I just want guys to know what the what the difference is, what you're getting at one place versus another. Sendero's fine. Doesn't matter. Yeah. Doesn't matter. Just, just pick just some pick stuff. Two fifty. Yeah, they're just pick Remington seven hundred there. Yeah, 700. You're on it. 6.5 PRC at the top. Go all, just go all the way down to the bottom for me. 850. 850. And what does a carbon 6 cost without that? Oh, 650. So you're paying 200 bucks. You're paying 200 bucks for the prefit part. So it's 500 for me. Actually, go back up. See if that includes muzzle threading. I don't th- think it does, does it? It might add some money there. Keep going right there. Yeah. It's an upcharge. Go there. Oh, not for the 5H24. It's no. still 850. Yeah, so so with me, it's 500. With them, it's 200. So that's saving you 300 bucks. That's what guys are looking at. It is, and that's, but that's if, if it works. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't seem like it always works. Well, we see the problem childs come in. We don't, yeah. not, we don't see all the ones that work well, but yeah. we do see the problem childs come in. Interesting. Yeah, uh, and I don't want to have the. To me, I'm not technical that way, so I don't want. I just want to hand the fucking gunsmith a mm-hmm. barrel and say, "Make this as best as you can make it," so I can fucking hit shit a thousand yards. Most of the most of the problem childs too that we've dealt with when they come in, the customer doesn't actually know what the problem is. He'll describe some brass issue or something going on that's really weird. 
Like he can't size his brass back down. And by the time when we get done diagnosing it, turns out it was a pre-fit and it's too long. And, you know, you, you go down that road with them. Right. But they don't really know. And they're not using a torque wrench. They're not using go, no, go gauges for the most part. I mean, there are those that are, but. Then then you have two people to look at. Really, if you have to bring it to a gun builder, you have like three people you're looking at. Was the action out of spec? Was the pre-fit out of spec? Mm -hmm. And then when you put the, it's you're a no-win situation as a gun builder. Were mm -hmm. you the problem? Chances are you weren't, but you're yeah. still going to be the guy that has to have the solution. And, th and that's the big difference. Do you go back to Carbon 6? And, and Carbon 6 does a fantastic job, and we're not saying that Carbon 6 doesn't oh, do, do, I've, do I haven't great pre-fit. Yeah. So you have your action, you have your barrel, you're calling each company trying to figure out what's going on or how you're going to get it taken care of. That's the difference here. If you would have spent the extra 300 bucks, you have a door you get to walk through and you can come in and talk to the gunsmith and you can talk to the GM here or talk to myself and, and, and we will help you figure out an issue when it's our rifle. It doesn't matter if it was an ACE barrel, carbon six barrel, it doesn't matter what it was. We take full responsibility for that. If there's an issue with the rifle, that's the difference you get for that money. And you have the, like, it goes back to the person trying to troubleshoot it may not be able to have, have the knowledge to troubleshoot it. When you bring it in here and it goes to you and Blaine and Taylor, mm. you're going to have a solution mm -hmm. and you're going to be able to remedy it quick. It's just a mechanical thing. Yeah. You know, which you see these big long threads, it's not just on rock slide, but it's, they have this issue and then it comes back to this, oh, it was a pre-fit and it's say it's on, and I'm not knocking on it. I just see this action brought up all the time. It's the Curtis actions. Mm. And there's they were out of spec for all. I don't know if they still are. I have no idea. But there was so the the Curtis is blaming the prefit, the prefit barrel companies yep. blaming the action. So it's you can get in a real shit spot to mm -hmm. where I'll fucking always say this. If you have a gunsmith that's quality a quality gunsmith local, go to that gunsmith because mm -hmm. it's freaking easy button. Yeah. And if the if it's not that type of it needs to be that environment where you can walk in yes and get your stuff handled you know not a finger pointer oh it's something over here oh it's something over here oh your barrel's not shooting because you didn't do load development or this or that you know, we talked about that before if if the gun's gonna fucking shoot you know it in the first ten rounds absolutely so you can't tell me that the gun shot six inches and all of a sudden it's gonna get fixed with load development so yeah. Yeah, and then, but there is like that old curmudgeon gunsmith that's a pain in the ass to deal with anyway. So yeah. I get that. But if you have a quality gunsmith, go. A to lot that of dude. times, if the guy is really cranky like that and he's still in business, a lot of times it's because he knows what the fuck he's doing. So he may be difficult to deal with, but more often than not, you're going to get a quality rifle built from him whenever it gets to that point. You got to smooth him, take him a coffee, say, "What's yeah. up, Fred?" <laughs> Fred. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anything else on the prefits? No. So that was prefits. And the other thing that uh, that can be uh, difficult to understand for guys is the whole wildcat game. Wildcatting. Wildcatting. And we just talked about this before we started podcasting. But basically, if it's if it's if the brass is not shot in your rifle in the head stamp form that it comes in, this is the definition of wildcatting. Yeah. So if it's not if 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 you have to form a piece of brass into the chamber in your rifle. In other words, it doesn't come that way from the head stamp manufacturer of the brass, then it's a wildcat. Otherwise, they would make brass for it. Like, for example, 280 Ackley was, was a wildcat. Technically is a wildcat, but was a wildcat for a long time before people made head stamp brass. That said 280 Ackley improved. It wasn't a, it, they improved the shoulder. Yeah. On the 280, whatever it was. Do you remember what it is? 280 Winchester, Remington. It, uh, it can be whatever fucking, 280, 270, 30 out six. Yeah. Yeah. And it, like the 65284 was a wildcat for a long time. Yeah. 
they find they so I mean, if you if you could buy so thirty three XC, thirty seven XC, these are you can buy brass ready to go, which is one of the reasons I built the thirty three XC in the first place was because rather than fire form Lapua brass into three thirty eight Lapua improved, not only was the case longer had more case capacity, but it came ready to go, which is a big you know big did, deal. Did I tell you about my thirty three XC? Yes, yes, it's a hammer. I know. Unknown built me one. It's like fucking one inch at 650. It's fucking one inch at 650 yeah. yesterday. Yeah. Crazy. Ryan but loves that shit. Not a one shot group. It was three. Form for would be mad at us, but it's a three shot. You, you needed to shoot 10 at But least. it's a very, I already did that. So <laughs> it's already been qualified. This fucker stacks him on top. I shot the group and Nick who does low dev has seen a lot. Of, she's like, whoa. <laughs> He's like, that's a hell of a group. Well, hopefully you don't sell that fucking one. No, that dude, yeah, that is that the... No, I'll give you the my word. Uh-huh. That will never go down the road. Good deal. Because it's the best. Not only is it the best shooting rifle a UM's ever produced, it's by far the best looking rifle <laughs> UM has ever produced. Well, that's a long range fucking hitter too. Like you don't you can take that when you're unsure of how far you're gonna have to shoot. Ten it, it has some pop. Yeah. Ten and a half pounds, but I spotted two of the three at six fifty. So nice. Or, yeah. So it's getting there. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's a beaut. Twenty four inch barrel doing thirty one twenty three hundred three hundred grain bullet. Man, so okay, so we'll, we'll, a thirty three XC is a good example to start with. You can buy wooden dies in thirty three XC from David Tubbs' website. You can buy XC brass from either Peterson. Actually, I think you can only get it from Tub. I could be wrong on that one. Um, and it can be chambered in thirty three XC. So you have a chamber and brass and dies that all match that you can purchase. To yes. me, that's not a wildcat. No. If you have to form the shoulder on a 338 Lapua case into 338 Lapua Improved, there is no Lapua Improved brass out there that's not turned from a company that just went bankrupt. There's no 338 Lapua Improved brass that you can buy. RCC was the one I was talking about. They just yes. went bankrupt, went out of business. So what? what is... <clears throat> It's kind of getting off topic, but it is. What is the appeal? When you improve a shoulder, so if, if a case has a 25-degree or a 30-degree shoulder, by blowing the shoulder out further, you increase the case capacity. So I'll take the 6.5 saw improved for exa- as an example because we just measured Jess's rifle and we just checked how much powder it can hold. The 6.5 saw improved to the bottom of the neck is holding 68 grains of N565. That's what we were putting in the fucking seven PRC. Mm. So that mm. those those the case the body walls being almost parallel, the sharp shoulder make that case hold as much as a seven PRC, which is which is much longer. So more powder equals more power. And if you believe you now, Po Ackley, the that forty degree shoulder the the term inherently accurate. And mm. very, very little case stretch. Case The case doesn't grow much. Yeah. I mean, a Lapua, in our experience, a Lapua improved is easier to tune than a standard Lapua. Just generally, they just fucking hit. Almost always, if you, when you do a Lapua improved, the fire forming loads shoot fantastic. And then they only get better once they're formed, just like Jess's rifle. So yeah. her rifle shot a, a 0.6 10 shot group and a 0.7 10 shot group with the fire forming fucking loads. Now it's just going to hammer. Yeah, and you generally, we talked about this on a previous podcast, talked about it with Forum, talked about it with Nick. Generally, if that fire forming load shoots, the mm-hmm. fucking rifle will shoot oh, yeah. when you get oh, yeah. to the full house load. So wildcatting. So you 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 make up a fucking, 
you make up a spec for a, a case. Like 6UM. Like 6UM. So we we took a case that was 6.5 SOM, necked it down to 6 millimeter manually, and we sent a dummy round to JGS and said we want a 40-degree shoulder because it didn't have that. We want a 40-degree shoulder on this dummy round that we just sent you. They draw up a reamer. You wait three months to get the reamer. You chamber a rifle. You fire around through that chambered rifle. Now you have a fire form piece of brass. You can then, so so you can do custom dies several ways with wooden. You can send three pieces of fired brass and they'll make you custom dies. Or you can send them a chambering reamer and a resizing reamer and they'll use those to make the dies for you. But you have to have your chamber and your rifle, your formed brass, and your dies all match. Once that happens, it's technically not a wildcat anymore. You have everything you need for your rifle. It can be anything you can imagine. Mm-hmm. That's the process to get to a final solution. So now you have this brass that you fire formed, however many pieces that you want. Uh, so your chamber's good, your brass is formed, and then your dies match your brass or your reamer. So you can resize the brass back down to whatever it is. And that's that's the wildcat process. So let's go like pros and cons on this because the, the pro – is you're going to get exactly what you want out of the case you want mm-hmm. and generally with the bullet and speed you want. The downside is there's a pretty good expense to it and you have, to, like we found with the UM, we have to 6 UM, we have to tweak, you have to tweak as you go from shit that you didn't think or you didn't mm-hmm. see beforehand. Yeah, I mean, so the 6 UM initial reamer issue was more a communication failure between JGS and us. Basically, they they took the rim thickness as it was on brand new brass instead of what it should have been hmm. for the Sammy spec. It is what it is at that point. It goes Everything. back to the same thing like the Hornady has with the 6.5 PRCs, mm-hmm. but we're addressing it to where they still haven't addressed it. Yes. Yeah, we're fixing the reamer up front. Yep. Yep. Um, and the new reamers are here, so. Yeah. I, mean, I just actually posted online, and it's basically it's 4,000 different mm-hmm. at the 200 line. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. So, I mean, a Wildcat in general, so you can get as much performance as you want. You can make it shoot any bullet you want. You can make it as overbore as you want. In other words, the least amount of barrel life to the most amount of barrel life. There's just, you know, almost unlimited control over what you could do with a rifle. And it's uh, it's more expensive, especially if, if you're doing a reamer yourself. A reamer, you know, 250 bucks. Mm-hmm. And then with any Wildcat that you have to form, you're basically wasting the whole first set of ammo. So if you're doing a 338 Lapua Improved and those are $6 around new, you're paying that $6 around and then paying to have them reloaded before you get to shoot the first time. So if you do 100 cases, that's 600 bucks. We charge a dollar a piece to process brass, so that's uh, 700 bucks. Then we're going to reload it for however much money, three bucks a piece, whatever, and mm-hmm. and then you finally get to shoot it. Yeah. So. Yeah. I guess, you know, it depends on how you look at it and what you're doing with your rifle. But, I mean, guys are doing, like, BR variants, BRA, BRX, BR fucking whatever. And I think Alpha Munitions might make some of the different variants as a head stamp type of brass. But in, in all reality, all the BR variants are all Wildcats. Yeah, when I hear Wildcat, that means you're taking a case and you're getting the maximum velocity, the maximum performance out of that case. It could be it could be easier, too. It could be, like, a 25-06. Yeah. So there is some head stamp brass that came from Norma for that, and maybe from uh, what's the B word? Brass Bertram. Bertram. Yeah, 
Um, I think they made some brass too that's head stamped. But you know, changing the bullet caliber, for example, like taking so it's a it's a seven slash three hundred eight or seven mm eight. That was a bad example because that actually exists. Yeah, uh, a six psalm. Even if we didn't improve the shoulder and you just necked it down, it's still a wildcat. Yeah, there's a bunch of six PRCs out there. Six PRCs, any different fucking variety of six PRCs. Uh, we chose the SOM case again because the SOM has more case capacity than a PRC does to start. Uh, some people say there's not good brass for it, but ADG brass is fantastic. I don't, anybody saying that is just an idiot and hasn't used it. I mean, truly. Yeah. Like I've had more issues with other brass. I've had more issues with, with the famed Lapua brass than I have with ADG. Mm. So. So that's Wildcatting. And, you know. We got to have, we need to have Whaley say how he's, what, he has like a. Wow, I can't even do it. Like, says it funny. Wildcat. Like, <laughs> he says, "Eat nothing easy, Wildcat." We need to get him all buzzed up and get him in here one we day. We got to get Matt Whaley in here. Matt, if you're listening, one day we'll handcuff you, drag you in here. Here's my question to you about Wildcat Round. Yeah. What is, what is your, what do you think is the perfect Wildcat Round that's out there? Hmm. That's a tough question. I think uh, I think picking the perfect wildcat is no different than picking the perfect other cartridge. I think you could do a whole bunch with all the cartridges that are out there with low development. Yeah, um, three thirty eight Lapua improved is probably the well, most it's one of the most one. popular. Yeah, yeah, definitely popular. The two eighty is pretty much commercialized now. I don't consider that a wildcat. The yeah, because of the head stamp brass part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean six UMs too early. Like the, I think those. this six five SOM. If this six five SOM improved. Pushes 156s out of a 20-inch barrel to 3,100 feet a second. It's pretty badass. Yeah. Or the 6.5 slash 7 PRC improved. I yeah. got several guys emailing about that. They just want to hear the numbers before they put a rifle build in. Well, then if you ask Nick, it would be the, the uh, 25, what do you, what's he call yeah, it? Uh, the, it's a 25 SOM, It's right? a 25. No, he, two iterations. He has a 25 SOM. Yeah. And he has the 25, it's off a 260 case. 35, 35 degree shoulder off 260 case. And that little sucker shooting a 134 out of a 22 inch barrel at 31 plus. Mm. He calls it the quarter pounder. That's what he calls it. The quarter <laughs> pounder. So he's getting a face tattoo. Fucking <laughs> the, the golden arches there. The golden arch is going to be like, uh, what's that singer's name that has all the tattoos on his face? Oh, uh, yeah. We just, uh, uh, Post Malone. Post Malone. Yeah. Yep. Post Malone, if you're listening, I did DM you on Instagram. Said let's be, build you a rifle. Post Malone would make a. He, bet you he'd come up with a eclectic looking rifle. <laughs> Could be pretty badass. We have to put a big old pot leaf on the back. Yeah. Oops. He's uh, been losing a bunch of weight. Everybody's accusing him of doing drugs and all kinds of shit. Who cares? You live your life. Hmm. Ain't, ain't our problem. Mm -hmm. Um. What's his rifle about on the table? Uh, rifle we just finished up. This is a seven PRC. Plus P. Let me see here. It's got the Vesper action. It's got a fluted steel barrel on it. 22-inch, 8-twist. Manners long-range hunter. Unknown munitions, bottom metal and mag. Uh, Hawkins ultralight rings. Night Force NX-8. 4-32 F1. An Atlas Cal bipod. And what is that suppressor down there? Dead Air. Playing? I can't remember the name of the actual. Uh, it's dead, a dead Air Nomad Air. TI. Nomad. Yeah. Yep. Dead Air Nomad TI. Don't excuse the brown color on the can because I'm not sure that we did that. I would hope you did. Oh, I know why. It's because that's Air Cure. Oh, did you guys that's do That's the it? high heat Air Cure. We may have. It changed that much? Maybe. 
And it's supposed to be like that brown color. Well, I mean, Air Cure, that's a different series of Cerakote versus the H series. 7PRC? 7PRC plus P. I don't remember the specs on the load dev itself, but. You're building a lot of 7PRCs. Dude, we have a giant barrel rack, and fucking 6.5 barrels are not moving. Seven barrels, we can't keep them. 30 cal barrels, we can't keep them. When we're building these Tika rifles, 7PRC and 300WSM are the two best sellers. It's also the ones that we would pick, right? Like, I would want one of those, too. But 7PRC is uh, doing very well this year. What do you know? Uh, for those of you... <laughs> what do you know? <laughs> what do you know? <laughs> for those of you that are still looking for brass, uh, we did... So if you had pre-ordered the Peterson brass, what day? i got to give them the right dates here. So when they're listening, today is the 21st. We have 50,000 pieces of Peterson 7PRC brass shipping to us on the 28th. So it's coming on a truck, a couple pallets worth. It'll take a, a probably till the end of the first week of October, around the 6th to get here. But we only sold uh, 30% of that. So there's really? going to be a lot of Peterson brass going in stock. So pay attention around that time. You may hear this podcast around that time anyway. So if you're looking for Peterson brass, it's coming. Or 7PRC brass anyway, right? Yep. ADG's not doing a run for a bit, so this will probably be the only good brass that comes out for a while. Perfect. Um, yeah, that's a good-looking rifle. That Vias always looks good. Mm-hmm. I think it's Vias. Yeah, Mike does a good job back there. Yes, it We've got a new guy coming in. Uh, he's starting. New guy starting. He's coming over from Weatherby. Oh, Been boy. at Weatherby for five years. He's starting on uh, the 6th. No, 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 no. The 9th, October 9th. Luke, we need a name to give away for our subscriber. Oh, it's texted. I must have texted you because I don't have it. Oh, shit. Your phone. Oh, shit, I guess I do have it. I think you just play that game where you think your phone don't work so you don't have to answer text Dude, my messages. phone keeps dying. That's why I ordered a new one. Huh. Luke Griffith. Griffiths. <laughs> Griffiths. One more time. Griffiths. That's not bad. Griffiths. <laughs> Luke Griffiths. You are. <laughs> Say it one more time. Griffiths. Luke, why'd they put an S on your last? Why'd you put an S on there? Uh, You are the receiver of any set of UM scope rings. Yep. Email us, marketing at shoottohunt.com. We also have now podcast. Yeah, podcast at shoottohunt.com, marketing at shoottohunt.com. Yep. And I got a text this morning about the shooting class. If it's full, I think we're down to four. Mm -hmm. Luke, are we down to four? We have four spots left out of the 12, so if you're going to come, you better get on it. That's in June in Montana. June 17th. We had to move it back a week. We, we've updated the site. We're going to email all the people that have paid a deposit. June 17th. That's the five-day shooting school with Form. You guys are hearing Form on the podcast here, so that's yep. the guy that will be teaching you, and uh, he's a badass. And we will uh, – well, we will. I've gotten lots of PMs. We'll have Form back on again. He, We've made it. So he will be around for a long time. <laughs> yes. Exclusively. Exclusively. Form, form or n- the foreman. Rot, macho man Randy Savage will be back. For, form's not going to get whored out to the other guys. No. Yeah. No. He better be exclusive. Ex- ex- exclusivity. <laughs> he's he's going to hear this and go, you sons of bitches. <laughs> nice. Yeah, uh, four spots left, and then uh, that'll be it for the next year. And then we'll, once this one's sold out, we can actually, we're going to start taking a wait list for the following year. And maybe we'll talk them into a couple the following year. 
I'm biased, but I'm going to tell you right now. Don't matter if you've been to a shooting school or you've shot your whole life, you will learn a shit ton at this class. Mm. Anything else, sir? That's it. Want to get a hold of us? It's podcast at shoot to hunt.com. And thanks for listening.